Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the mini break. Your date podcast for the storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, August 28th, day one of the 2023 U.S. Open now officially in the books. We had four upsets on the women's side, five seeds knocked out on the men's side, 10 matches go the distance for the women, four for the men, countless other intriguing results. What does that mean for us here on this show? It means we have plenty to talk about, and of course, what I want to do for all of you listeners is help organize all of day one's results. What were the most notable things that happened in the first 24 hours of the U.S. Open? I'll break all of that down for you on today's show. Of course, that means running through the upsets. We had multiple top 10 seeds knocked out, whether it was Maria Sakkari on the women's side, Holger Runa on the men's side. How unexpected were those results? That's something we can ponder here on on today's show, but certainly two results I want to talk about. Of course, a couple of seeds tested, pushed the distance on the women's side. Players like Coco Goff, Beatriz Haddad Maya, Yelena Ostapenko, all playing entertaining opening round matches. Of course, you had a couple of top seeds certainly look the part in Iga Sviantek, Elena Rabakina, Novak Djokovic, and others. We'll break it all down here on today's show. Hopefully, after listening to this podcast, you all feel like you have a good sense of what happened on day one of this 2023 U.S. Open. Of course, if you're looking for previews of each and every day of this event, head on over to our Great Shot podcast feed. We'll post those around 6 p.m. every evening so that you can either listen to it at night or listen to it during your commute to work as you prepare not only for the day, but prepare for another exciting day of action in New York. Again, Great Shot podcast is the place for you. You can find that on our Crack Rackets website or wherever you listen to your podcast. That will be the hosting platform for our preview shows. Of course, why can we recap every day here on this podcast? Because of the support we get from all of you. And of course, because of the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point for all the greatest equipment at the lowest prices, tennis-point.com. Use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, tennis-point, symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. All right. Let's talk day one of the 2023 U.S. Open. I've broken down today's recap into five different categories just to help us organize this show. I want to talk you through the upsets, talk you through the matches that went the distance, talk you through the American results because there were a bunch of Americans in action in both the men's and women's draws. 
This is Cracked Rackets, so we got to talk about the players with college ties, a surprisingly high amount of players with college ties competing on day one of this event. Of course, we'll run you through all the top seeds, all the other matches as well. Again, my goal is that after this show, you will all feel as though you know all of the significant details from day one of this event. You'll be prepared for day two and prepared for all the action as it unfolds moving forward. We'll start with the upsets. Two top 10 seeds knocked out, one in each of the men's and women's singles draws. I don't know how shocking Maria Sakkari's loss is in a 30,000-foot view sense of things. Certainly in a vacuum, it was a surprise to see her not only lose to Rebecca Masarova, but was up 4-2 in the first set, seemed to have a pretty decent rhythm, hits this beautiful drop shot, 4-15 love. Just, you know, again, when Sakari's working in the drop shot, it means she has her opponent paralyzed and that the first serve-first forehand combination has been working effectively. But, you know, again, from there, four and four exit to Rebecca Masarova. And we'll talk about the Masarova side of things in a second. But you look for Sakari, makes third round of the Australian Open, knocked out three sets by Ju Lin, who was very good in the months of January and February, but still not the sort of loss you'd expect from Sakari. Now, she recovered from there. Semifinals Linz, semifinals Doha, semifinals Indian Wells, semifinals Madrid. First round exit Roland Garros, first round exit Wimbledon, first round exit U.S. Open. It is a disappointing year at the majors. There's no other way to describe it for Maria Sakkari, who's now 28 and 18 overall, 61% win percentage. She's currently sitting at what? seven in the live ranking. She's sitting at 13th in the points race. And, you know, again, all the players ahead of her, all the you know, 90% of the players behind her still alive in this event with chances to pick up significant slam points. I don't know if she's going to make the year-end finals this year. I know there's still San Diego, Guadalajara left on the schedule. She's going to have to finish strong because first-round exit Montreal, second-round exit Cincinnati, or round of 16 exit, three sets, albeit to Muhova. Yes, she made the final in Washington, gets a three-set win over Pagula, beats Madison Keys there, but... That's a disappointing North American hardcore stretch. I know she makes the DC final, but to go first round exit, second match exit, first round exit, and the three biggest events of the cycle, I just didn't understand the game plan yesterday. I didn't understand why she continued to target the Rebecca Masarova backhand because Masarova uses her size so well to beat you to the spot, capture that ball early on the rise. And, you know, she hit 22 winners in the match. I would venture to guess that 13 of them were backhand winners, particularly down the line. Nine of those 13 probably down the line backhand winners. I saw it at least six times I can think of. And it just felt like there were more moving parts to the Masarova forehand. Yeah, she hits that side a little bit heavier, but it felt like the first serve should have gone to that side more frequently. Certainly the first strike towards that side. Sakari had success attacking, success moving forward, you know, won 70% of her first serve points, made 60% of her first serves, only faced three break points in the match. The problem was she was broken on all three break points that she faced, only 15 winners against 18 unforced errors. Again, it just, there was no rhythm. There was no plan B, plan C, plan D. It just felt like everything was first serve, first strike through the backhand wing, win in rallies, 
attack that Masarova backhand side, and Masarova beat her backhand to backhand in those exchanges. And Masarova served well. She only faced three break points. She was only broken once throughout the course of the match, that break early again in the first set. I mean, you know, again, it's a disappointing exit. You look at who the losses were to for Sakari earlier in the year at the Slam. She loses, what, to Mukova? At Roland Garros, six and five, Mukova goes on to make the final. That's a brutal first round draw. Loses three sets to Kostyuk at Wimbledon. Again, that's about as tough of a first round draw as you can get, but loses that one in three sets. This is the most disappointing of the bunch. Three set loss to Masarova, a match where she should have been the favorite. Now, I know Masarova made a final earlier this year in Auckland. You look for Rebecca Masarova so far this season. The 24-year-old actually reached her career high earlier this year of 66. She's 32-17 and 17 overall on the year. How is she against top 10 opponents, though, so far this season? She is now 1-3. You look for her career. She's now 1-4. This is her first top 10 victory. She's 2-4 against the top 20 overall. Sakari beat her in Madrid earlier this season, albeit in three sets. It's, a th- again... Masarova played well. It's a disappointing loss. I, I just I didn't understand the game plan. You heard Sakari talk about her frustration as well, why she might need a break from the game because just something is off. Uh, she it, she just said it's not clicking for her right now. And I mean, look, she can speak better to her own game and her own status than I ever could. You can see something is off with soccer. You see the frustration. It feels like mounting with every unforced error or every successful foray to the net. It it was a disappointing year at the majors. We'll leave it at that for Maria Sakari, knocked out by Rebecca Masarova. That's your most significant upset of the day on the women's side. But again, there were four upsets overall uh, in terms of seeds uh, in the women's singles draw. Now, upsets in the broader sense we can get into as we go along. I don't know how big of an upset it is for Bernarda Pera to have beaten Veronica Kudermatova. Bernarda Pera is capable of these sorts of results. The lefty has serious weapons, and we saw that last year when she, what, ripped off two consecutive titles and I think won 13 of 14 matches. And, I mean, look, Kudermatova has struggled relative certainly to last season, but particularly of late, you look at... What she's done since the start of Wimbledon, second round loss to Vondrosova, okay, whatever. But first round loss to Venus and Cincy, three sets against Podoroska in Cleveland. She did not look good in that first round victory. Knocked down in straight sets in the very next round by Saripez Tormo. Now first round exit to Bernarda Pera. She didn't play in Canada. You know, Bernarda Pera has the sort of weapons to get Veronica Kudermatova stretched. And in particular, I thought Pera did a great job of attacking with first strike through the forehand wing, which is where Kudermatova will pop that ball short, even though she does move pretty well. Second ball attacking through the backhand. And, you know, Bernarda Pera's forehand was the biggest weapon on the court in this match, in this, again, 5-4 and four victory uh, for Bernarda Pera. I thought she played particularly well. I really did. I thought her ability to, again, get Kudermatova stretched into the outer thirds of the court, get Kudermatova off center, that's what won her in this match. And for a Kudermatova, uh, for a Bernardo Pair, excuse me, who went 0-3 in the hard court stretch, straight set losses to Fernandez, Putinseva, three set loss to Trevisan in Cincinnati. Yes, she made quarterfinals in Hamburg, but you know she failed to depend, defend her Budapest points, her Hamburg points from those back-to-back title runs last season. 
This was a much-needed win for Bernardo Pera, who had fallen back down to number 73 in the rankings entering the week with this win back up to number 64. Just keeps her in the hunt in terms of setting her schedule moving forward. And for a 28-year-old, again, that's really all you can ask for at this point of your career. A disappointing exit for Kudermatova, but again, given the context surrounding her form entering this event, I don't know how surprising that is. I'm sure if you look at the bracketology or the, you know, the games where people can predict on brackets. I'm sure Para over Kudermatova was about as popular of a first-round upset as was out there in the women's draw, and ultimately it comes to fruition. A great win for Bernardo Pera, a much-needed win. Disappointing ending to the slam season for Kudermatova, who goes second-round exit Australia, first-round exit Roland Garros, second-round exit Wimbledon, albeit to Von Druseva, first-round exit Bernardo Pera. Didn't make a single second week for someone who was a top 10 player last season and sustains a top 20 ranking. Got to put a second week on the board. So again, uh, that's an impressive result for Bernardo Perro, who went out and won that match. She made Veronica Kudermatova uncomfortable. But again, disappointing year at the majors for Kudermatova as well. Your other women's upsets on the day. Cerebez Tormo over Kalidina, 4-5. and five. If you listen to the mini break at all last week, you know how in I am on the relentlessness of Cerebez Tormo. I had no doubt she would be fit, fresh, with only one day off coming off of Cleveland. Kalinina has dealt with a bunch of different injuries this year. So, again, the last thing you want to deal with in that state is is someone like Cerebez Tormo, who's just the thorn in the side. She's through four and five. I don't know how big of an upset that is. Shout out Kaya Yuvan. Hasn't had the most consistent stretch. And there are times when I watch the 22-year-old, uh, excuse me, from Slovenia play were her weapons, the ability to drive the backhand line, that ability to, again, dictate from the baseline. I see top 50 player in her, currently 27 and 15 overall on the year. She's played a lot of qualifying matches this season. Her quarterfinals coming, two at the 125K level. She did make one in Budapest in the middle of July. Qualifies into this U.S. Open as an unseeded qualifier. Knocks out Elisabetta Cochiretto 2-5 overall. Cochiretto the 29 seed. The Italian has had a great year. She has some real weapons, but that's a very good win for Kai Uvana. Subtle upset, certainly, because I think 30,000-foot view to fans, that would have been considered... Well, I don't know how many fans have strong takes on Kai Uvan. I'm not shocked by that result. I certainly am surprised. And that's, again, a very good result for Kaya Yvonne, who now the draw opens up for, right? She's going to take on Lauren Davis. Now, Davis, I know she's not the biggest player. She has some serious weapons, can get that ball into the body of Yvonne, get her stretched, particularly on that forehand wing. But Yvonne's going to be able to do some dictating as well. That's a pickup match. Now, after that, I think the winner is not going to be beating Iga Sviantek, who was dominant, by the way, in what? Was it 0-1, 0-2? I think it was 0-1. Survey says it was indeed 0-1. I mean, that's what Iga does. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like, that's why I said in our draw preview, she was my favorite entering the event. Um, but anyways, those were your four upsets on the women's side. On the men's side, look, again... I don't know how shocking the two headline upsets are given their recent form. Holgerun is not healthy right now. And much like if you're not healthy, you wouldn't want to face Cerebez Tormo, I would not want to face 
Uh, sorry, Roberto Carbeas Baena. A lot of names in my head. 64 singles matches. I would not want to face Roberto Carbeas Baena if I wasn't healthy because he's going to get you stretched into the outer third. He's going to make three additional shots per rally. It's just, again, going to give you nothing easy. Going to make you put away that volley decisively because if you float it a little bit, he's there with a look at a second passing shot. Runa played aggressive tennis, particularly, I thought, in the second set, and I thought he really did have a chance in set number three, but, you know, again, you could just tell set number four, the wheels weren't there, and for Runa, who hit 37 winners, 43 unforced errors, he went to the net 43 different times, he just could not sustain the necessary physicality to knock off Carbeas Baena on this day. Carbeas Baena, efficient 31 winners against 21 unforced errors. 6-3-4-6-6-3-6-2. Carbeas Baena knocks off Runa. Now, you know, unlike this, I, I don't think it's unfair to say, unlike Sakari, unlike Kuder Matova, Faruna, who lost first-round matches to Giron in Canada, Mackey had to retire against in Cincinnati. Now the four set lost to Carbeas Baena. Yes, it's a disappointing North American hardcourt stretch on surface level, but he wasn't healthy during any of it. And at 20 years old, you're not going to look at this portion of the calendar now, Judge Hogaruna's season unsuccessful. He's four in the world. He quartered Roland Garros. He quartered Wimbledon. He finaled Rome. He finaled Monte Carlo. He won in Munich. Holgaruna's doing just fine. He's not healthy right now. That's the takeaway. And coming into the event, this Runa rude section of the draw was always wide open. And certainly when Emilio Nava, it felt like was going to go up a set to, you know, take that opening set over Kasparud. And then he wins the second place in extraordinarily competitive match. Section still feels wide open. And, you know, on a day when Tiafo looked really comfortable against Lerner Tien, I know Tommy dropped the set, but he advances in four. Davidovich Fokina real comfortable against Marcos Garon. Sections wide open. That's the one where things are going to get funky. The now Casper Rude quarter of the draw. And, you know, again, we can talk about those matches more in a little bit. It was a credit to Carbeas Baena. He made the match as physical as could be. I know he only made 53% of his first serve, but but gave nothing away for free. It, it, it's it's good tennis. Uh, I mean, again, it, it was a deserving first top 10 victory for Carpeus Baena, who's just more prepared for the three out of five set format on this day. You know, similarly, second biggest upset, Mackie McDonald, who just objectively has better had a better North American hardcore stretch than Felix Ogier Aliasim. And Mackie knocks off the 15th seeded Canadian 7646164 to open up his draw and advance to round number two of this event. I mean, again, just compare the results. You look for Mackie. Second round loss to Grigor in D.C. Quarterfinals Canada loses to Davidovich Fokina. Round of 16 in Cincy. Wins over Hanfman Runa before having to retire against Manorino. Quarterfinal in Canada. Round of 16 in Cincy. You compare that to Felix. Lost first round Washington. First round Canada. Also lost second round to Manorino in Cincinnati. Mackey's had the better summer. He's come in in better form. And thus, I don't know how surprising this result even is surface level. At the same time, this was a very enjoyable match. I know Felix, 39 winners against 52 unforced errors. Mackey, 34 winners against 37 unforced errors. You hear that sort of count and you think to yourself, well, there must have been a lot of missing in this match. There was, 
but it's because of the pressure these two put on one another as shot makers. And Mackey's speed, his ability to absorb, redirect pace, a few of the on-the-run forehand passes he hit in this match were just mesmerizing. You know, keep in mind, in this match, you know, Mackey served for the opening set at 5-4. Felix broke him. I believe Felix had breakpoint chances in Mackey's 5-4 service game for the match. Felix was unable to execute. He went 1-for-13 on breakpoint chances in this match. And yes, Mackey came up with some very good serves, mixed his spots extraordinarily well, found the tee, found Felix's body, didn't just pick on that backhand return. But again, Felix gets a little stiff on that return of serve. That fluidity, that flexibility to absorb, redirect, it's not there the way it is for Mackey, who only breaks three times, but three was enough in this match. And Mackey was able to keep pace on serve. You know, again, his ability to absorb, redirect pace is just mesmerizing, change directions down the line, short hop a ball, elite feel, can put away volleys at the net so comfortably when 22 of 34 up there. Just put the pressure on Felix, had Felix on his back foot. And again, the more informed player won this match. So yes, it's an upset, but I don't know how surprised we should be that Mackey advances again. 7-6-4-6-6-1-6-4. He knocks out Felix. You know, for both guys, draw opens up a little bit for Carbez Baena. He's now going to take on Aslan Karatsev. A little bit of an upset there. Straight sets over Lachetchka, finalist last week in Winston-Salem. But we know what Karatsev is capable of. Certainly, you look now for Mackie McDonald. He's going to take on a fellow collegian in Wake Forest, Borna Goyo. And by the way, Goyo, I believe now, is going to make his top 100 debut. Yep, up to number 93. New career high in the live rankings for the 25-year-old. Welcome to the top 100 Bornagoyo. Uh, I'm going to have to send out that tweet here in a moment. Anyways, it goes without saying, anytime you knock off a seed, the draw opens up for yourself. Mackey has done that with his win over Felix Carbeas Baena has done that with his win over Hogaruna. Your other upsets on the day. This one was probably the most surprising. Tituan Druguet. I, I, Druguet, I know I butchered that pronunciation. I apologize, but Man, was the Frenchman's five-set victory over Lorenzo Musetti exciting. 6-3, love 6, 6-7, 6-3, He just found way—I mean, he was relentless, high, heavy topspin into the Musetti backhand. It was very basic aggression against a one-handed backhand style of play, but— it was effective. It just felt like Musetti got so frustrated that every passing shot just just cleared the net and just dipped at his feet. And how many half volleys did he pop up that Droguet, you know, track down? Droguet had a fantastic exchange where he had a wonderful tweener that Musetti ultimately knocked off for a winner, but still fantastic physicality in that match. And look, it, it's a massive moment for a guy in Droguet who was outside the top 150, reached his career high of 169 in August, came into the event ranked 171. With this event, he's up to a new career high, number 154. 22 years old is the Frenchman. Gets a $70,000 paycheck or more than that now that he's advanced to round number two. So, you know, again, that really opens things up. If you're Taylor Fritz now, you look at this draw. You have Jakob Mensik, the 17-year-old from the Czech Republic, who gets a win over Gregoire Beret, youngest player in the draw. He's taken on the 22-year-old Frenchman, Titoine Droguet. That's who Fritz would play the winner of in round three. He, of course, faces my birthday brother, Juan Pablo Varias, in round two. Draw has opened up beautifully 
for Taylor Fritz. He has to make the second week. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's a 17-year-old, no disrespect to Jakob Menzik, who I look forward to learning more about, Tituan Droguet, Juan Pablo Varias. Fritz has to get through those matches. I expect him to get through those matches. I expect we see him in the fourth round, whether it be against a Eubanks, a Tsitsipas, a Stricker, a Bonzi. That's a pretty, that's a sneaky fun section. You know, again, of course, the winner faces Djokovic in the quarter, so I guess that's you're only playing for quarterfinal stakes, and then you get a shot, I suppose. But Droguet over Musetti, he played brilliant tennis, thoroughly earned that five-set win, just forced, forced Musetti to blink. Uh, the other upsets on the day, and I know I've spent a lot of time on these upsets, but look, these are the most significant results. These are the things you need to know. Team over Bublik wasn't particularly competitive for Bublik, made fewer than 50% of his first serves, felt like he was down a break pretty quickly in every set that he faced, uh, every set that they played. Straight set win for Dominic Team, his first win at the U.S. Open since he won the title back in 2024, uh, 2024, excuse me, back in 2020. Hey, great shot. Um, leave it in. Nothing else to say about that one. Team advances to round number two, where a date with, I'm glad you all asked, Ben Shelton awaits. That is a blockbuster, blockbuster matchup. Lefty, too, for that. You know, that's a winnable match for Ben Shelton. Then all of a sudden, third round, U.S. Open quarterfinals, Australia. That's how you keep yourself in the top 50, folks, even if you don't have a ton of success elsewhere. Again, shout out to Tituan Droguet, has made, what, one, two, three, four, five finals this year, three at the challenger level, hasn't won a challenger title yet, but that's how you find yourself steadily progressing up the rankings, and now he has a signature result coming through qualifying wins over Christian Green, Sandgren, Copenhans, now a five-set win over Musetti. He has had himself a week. Um, again, looking elsewhere, last upset of the day, you knew it was coming. Marton Fucevic does this seemingly every year in New York. He got the rematch from last week. It was Korda who beat him in Winston-Salem. This time it's Fucevic, 7-6-4-6-7-6-4-6-6-4. He knocks out Sebi Korda. Korda couldn't find a first serve. Only made 57% of them. Felt like he was forced to roll in so many different second serves. And then Fucevic was on him. Still was only broken three times in this match for what it's worth. But it was in those breakers in particular where the second serves came to bite him. 47 winners against 73 unforced errors for Korda. Now, Fucevic wasn't much better. 38 winners against 65 unforced errors. There were moments when this match was sneaky physical and sneaky enjoyable. It wasn't the cleanest tennis Obviously, for Sebi Korda, who's dealt with so many different injuries this year, he's not playing at the level he was in January when he came out of the gates healthy and fresh. <sighs> I mean, again, it's a disappointing loss because you look for Sebi Korda, his portion of the draw here, Korda, he would have faced Rinki Hijikata in round two, would have had a real shot at beating this version of Kasper Ruud if he was playing his best in round three. Knocked out in round number one. I mean, again, this is what Fucevic does, so you take it in a vacuum. I thought Fucevic was the more physical player, although it's worth noting. Sebi Korda had break points in the first game of the second set. He had break points in the, uh, in the first Fucevic service game. He had Fucevic love 40 in Fucevic's second service game of that deciding set. And then, you know, 5-4, 30-40. 
Corda hits a fantastic, this is match point in the fifth. Corda hits a fantastic first serve. He slips on his way to the net trying to hit the forehand approach. Instead has to hit a poor drop shot that Fucevic easily tracks down. Hits a backhand down the line. Un, uh, ball that Corda gets his racket on but sails long. And just like that, the match is over. And so again, one one slip of the foot. That was the margin between these two. It was a very competitive match, albeit not the cleanest still. This is what Fucevic does. He's through in five sets. So again, your upsets on the day on the women's side. Sakari, Kudermatova, Kalinina, Kochiretto on the men's side. Runa, FAA, Musetti, Bublik, Korda. Nine upsets overall. Let's move to category number two, which of course are the matches that went the distance. We'll rapid fire through these. I'm going to talk more about Coco Goff in the American section, but she gets through in three sets. You had Haddad Maya through in three sets over Sloane Stevens. We'll talk about that more in the American section. Ostapenko through in three. She was rolling out of the gates. And of course, a potential fourth round matchup between her and Iga. You just feel like she has the sort of weapons that could challenge Iga Sviantek on any given day. Uh, and now that the draws opened up for her with Kudermatova being knocked out, there's absolutely a pathway where you feel like there's a collision course. If those two play their best, they absolutely should face off in the fourth round. Important for Ostapenko to survive today. She does. Mertens fights off a match point, knocks off Miriam Bjorklund, 7-6 in the third. Alina Avanisian, the talented young Russian, she's through 6-4 in the third. Mira Andreva was getting smoked. Was down 5-love in about 15 minutes to Gadecki. I think it was 6-1, 2-1 Gadecki led, and slowly but surely Andriva worked her way back into the match. I love, you know, the power of her serve, her ability to amp things up, the explosiveness of her athleticism is what stands out, but watching her in person, to me it's that willingness to throw up moon balls, to grind a little bit, make a match physical, say, prove to me you can beat me with your weapons, with your consistency, she got in that mode in sets two and three. And then from there, the weapons kind of emerged as she found her rhythm. Really good three-set win for Andrew, the youngest player in the top 100. Gets another win at another major here this season. Good win for Tamjanovic, making her return to the U.S. Open three sets over Udvardi. You had Wang Shiyu three sets over Kuzmova. Magdalena Frick three sets over Navarro. And then Anna Shmidova three sets over Kozlova. Those were your women's matches, 10 of them going the distance. Uh, on the men's side, you had four matches, I believe five, excuse me, six, if you include Musetti Corda losses going with the distance. Vesely, five sets over Kakaud. Marozan, five sets over Gasquet. Sarundalo, Juan Manuel, not Francisco, but both Sarundalo's win yesterday. Juan Manuel, five sets over Ivashka. And then Jijun Jung, five sets over JJ Wolf, which I'll talk about as we transition here to the Americans. We had many Americans competing over the course of day number one. Let's start on the women's side of things. Coco Goff escaped. There's no doubt about it. 3-6-6-2-6-4. Now, you know, again, in particular, set number one, she just could not buy a first serve. You look at the stats in that match. I know she made 52% of them, and, you know, set number three was the real set. She made 41%, but it just felt like 
she could not buy a first serve in that first set. And because she couldn't buy a first serve, Siegemann was on top of everything, swinging so freely from the baseline, pressuring that Coco Goff forehand and, you know, working her way forward. You look for Siegemann, 10 of 13 at the net in set number one and, you know, approached the net 53 times throughout the course of the match. She had a very clear-cut game plan, put pressure on Coco Goff. And if Goff passes her, wins their cat-like net reflex, you know, cat-like reflex net exchanges, and that's the expression, I believe. Um, so be it. And credit to Goff, she freaking did. Now, Goff only made 48% of her first serves, but she won 75% of her first serve points. Was broken four times on seven breakpoint chances, but generated 14 breakpoint chances for herself. 34 winners against 34 unforced errors. 19 of the 36 at the net ain't too shabby for Goff. I thought Coco played fine. I thought more than anything when that third set lead started to evaporate that she was able to right the ship as steadily as she did in that 5-4 service game. That she was able to withstand the relentless assault against her forehand and then come out playing very aggressively on that forehand wing in set number two. Again, Siegemann was swinging so freely. She played. She executed a perfect game plan. Put pressure on your opponent. Make them hit passes. Make them do something special on each and every rally. Coco Goff was able to just do it enough. She was able to answer the test, answer the question. I think that's a perfect first-round matchup for her to work her way into this result. I mean, uh, into this event. I mean, certainly she's going to have a blockbuster with Mira and Driva next, but to have the Obamas in the crowd, to have... Everyone, all of New York showed up, and justifiably so, to watch the recently crowned Cincinnati champion. I thought she passed the test. I don't think she played her best tennis, but I thought she played progressively better. And I thought more than anything else, the way she adjusted her tactics as the match progressed, continued to sustain her aggression, and kind of began to take the net away from Siegemann. I mean, again, she went to the net nine times in set number one, 27 times the rest of the way. It was just, it was, it was well executed by Coco Goff in her response. And yes, yeah, Siegemann fell off a bit in sets number two and three. She was just flawless in set number one. But credit to Coco Goff, who did well to disrupt that rhythm of Siegemann and, again, push her on her back foot. So Coco Goff advances in three sets. Talked about the para upset already. Your other winners on the day on the American side, Jen Brady, threw in straight sets. Good to see her get another win at the U.S. Open. Former semifinalist here. She continues to work her way back from injury. The serve, the forehand, they're still there. I said this in the draw preview. Danielle Collins is a straight-up dark horse. She, you know, she's got Elisa Mertens next, who survived the match point deficit, but she beats Fruvertova 2-0 today. I expect Collins to get through Mertens, and then her versus Goff or Andriva if Andriva somehow wins that match round three. That's blockbuster stuff. Lauren Davis, very impressive 2-2 two two win. And then how about Taylor Townsend? Top 10 doubles player in the world. Now 4-2 over Grachova continues to consolidate her spot in the singles rankings, currently sitting at 113, but she wins another match. She will be back inside the top 100. Good victory for her over Grachova, who's had a very solid season. Townsend now going to get a lefty-on-lefty matchup, taking on Beatriz Haddad-Maya, who, again, a three-set win, 6-2, 5-7, over Sloan Stevens. It was a really fun match. This was probably your most competitive three-setter of the day in terms of sustained level of play, particularly in sets two and three. 
was a war. I mean, they're trading breaks early in the third. I thought Haddad Maya, 40 winners, Sloan's 30. That was the difference is it was just a little bit easier for Haddad Maya to end points on her terms. Again, she makes 70% of her first serves. You know you're going slice out wide, first forehand to the open court on 90%, no, 82% of ad side points. But Sloan fought. And Sloan did a really good job of keeping Haddad Maya honest by taking her backhand down the line, not allowing Haddad Maya to cheat over towards that ad side. Again, Haddad Maya just had a little bit more mustard behind her ground strokes. But Sloan was right there ultimately, though. Again, it is Haddad Maya through in three sets. It's a disappointing loss for Sloan. It's a really tough opening round draw, again, for someone who is one of the top 50 players in the world and yet has to draw a seed in her opening round match. Very good win, though, for Haddad Maya. Still, I th- you know, it's disappointing, obviously, for Sloan, but I don't think she played poorly. Magdalena Freak, three sets over Emma Navarro. Tough loss for Navarro. She had her chances early in that third set, but just kind of lost her legs a little bit in the third Kirstea, 2-3 over Kayla Day. Wang Xinyu continues her exceptional summer, 3-4 and four over Volley Nets. She continues to consolidate a top 50 spot in the rankings. And then disappointing for junior Wimbledon champ Claire V. Gunaway. Just didn't have it to start the match. Took her a while to get on the board. Ultimately knocked out 0-2 by Gavrilova. American women, though, 6-5 and five overall on the day. And again, no seeds knocked out. I would say given Stevens' draw, no shocking results on the day. Coco Goff surviving is the big nugget, I would say, for American tennis fans. And then men go 6-9 and nine overall on the day now. Again, other than the quarter loss, I don't know how shocking the rest of the results were. You start with Fritz, American, two American on American crimes. Fritz, 2-1-2 two, and two over Stevie Johnson. I mean... That's a result. It's it's surprisingly lopsided given what we know about their careers, but given where they're at in their careers, that's a match Fritz should win in straight sets. He does. Tiafo was excellent in a 2-5-1 and one win over Lerner Tien, and it felt like Tiafo never really felt threatened, but man, when Lerner has time, first of all, hits his serve with so much action on that ball and then can just rip the forehand at will, wasn't quite ready for the physicality of Tiafo And again, Tiafo was never really in doubt, but Tiafo threw in straight sets over Tien. Your other American winners on the day, Tommy Paul, four sets over Trevaglia, was fine. Eubanks, four sets over Sinwoo Kwan. Again, for Chris Eubanks to be seated at the U.S. Open is one thing. First-round wins at majors are not something he's experienced a, a lot of in his career. I believe this is his first first-round win at the U.S. Open. First win in the main draw of this event. Not too shabby. The, the year to remember continues for Chris Eubanks. Very impressive four-set victory over Sunwoo Kwan. Talked about Mackey's win over FAA. Ben Shelton didn't face a break point in sets 2, 3, or 4 in what was ultimately a 1-6-6-3-6-2-6-4 win over Pedro Cachin. Again, has a, a matchup he has to not hate in Dominic team on a fast surface. Uh, coming up in round 2, he wins that. Again, now he's made third round at two different majors this season, both of the hardcourt majors. Not only are you making money if you do that, you're sustaining a top 60 rankings, regardless of what happens elsewhere in the year. And by the way, it keeps you in the top 50 hunt, means you're getting into all those indoor hardcore ATP events coming up, a surface we know Ben is best suited for success, given his serve. 
Keep an eye on that. Ben Shelton through to round number two. Talked about Sebi Korda getting knocked out. Your other results on the day. Uh, Emilio Nava was excellent. And, you know, former junior Australian Open boys singles finalist. His ability to take, the, you know, again, come over the top of the ball and explode through his forehand and be the aggressor. And just, he's got real weapons. All the Navas, him, his brothers, they all have real weapons. Rude played very tentatively. It felt like the heavy topspin of Casper Rude just popped up right into Emilio Nava's strike zone every time. And he could just bunt down freely on everything. Love Nava's ability. Yes, he starts in that wide position, but his kick serve yanks you so far off the court that he just has an easy plus one forehand anytime he runs that play. Now, the Casper Rude backhand lob for match points in that fourth set breaker on the return of serve was. As, as Nava tries to serve in volley was top five sort of stuff. And, you know, that was one of the rare moments I thought in the match where Casper was able to summon that brilliance. Other than that, he kind of got away with his first serve being when he landed first serves, it was the biggest weapon on the court, but Nava was the aggressor. And again, to watch Emilio Nava just swing so freely right now, you look for Emilio Nava. He is currently sitting at, I believe, uh, let's see, Emilio Nava is currently sitting career high 149, uh, is the 21-year-old American who's won a challenger now, had continued success at that level. Not a ton of success, but enough to continue to progress up the rankings. You see why. His weapons are real. The physicality was there. A little, you know, again, he plays one speed. Love, You know, again, he's going to grip and rip, but you need to have that speed at this level, and he clearly does. Again, Rude was very tentative, but, oh, was I impressed by Emilio Nava, one of the winners of the day. I thought the Spider-Man looked good, too. Two-time Kalamazoo champ Zach Spider takes the opening set before losing a tight 5-7, 6-4, 6-4, match to Francisco Sarandolo. He has the physicality. He has the discipline. He can amp up the backhand down the line, but he just doesn't have the consistent weapon to play always on his terms yet. Has the relentless physicality, but Sarundlo got extraordinarily patient down the home set of that match, and that's what allowed him to pull away. Also had the shot of the day executing a tweener for 5-3-30 all that he hit for a tweener winner. That's your shot of the day. No doubt about it. Shout out to you, Francisco Sarundlo. Davidovich Fokina, straight sets over Garon. Laszlo Jura, who continues to have a sneaky, solid summer, straight sets over Nakashima. Disappointing score lines for both guys. It's been a tough year for Brandon, who's dealt with some injuries on and off, but, you know, again, not surprising results. Zapata Marias, 4 4 and 3 over NCAA champ Ethan Quinn. Thought Quinn might sneak out a set, but can't tell you I'm shocked by that result. And then the best bad match of the day. Ji Jung uh, Ji Zhen five sets over JJ Wolf. Jung Ji Zhen was up seven five seven five double break three love. There were eight breaks of serve in what was a seven six third set that goes to Wolf. Wolf ultimately forces a fifth, but just never got his forehand going. It felt like it was spraying all match. He was fighting himself as much as he was fighting his opponent. Again, the 26-year-old from China, Jung Ji Zhen, has had a fantastic season. He's currently what I want to say. Yeah, 62 in the live rankings. One more victory. He'll pop up back into the top 60 to number 58. He just has real weapons. He can hold his ground so well. Moves well for someone that size, like that that muscular, dare I say, that thick, doesn't lack fluidity. It was a sloppy match, a disappointing result, certainly for JJ, who I would have loved to see take a shot at Casper Ruud. But 
Again, now Jung gets the shot, and that is not an easy match for Casper. That's one you circle as we head into day three. Maybe a little bit of an upset alert. Still, those are your American results. Again, the American women 6-5 and five on the day. The American men 6-9 and nine overall. Let's look at the college results quickly. Then we will bl- uh, get through the other results and wrap today's show because, again, preview show is already available over on the Great Shot podcast feed. American men, uh, excuse me, men with college ties go six and seven overall on the day, but 13 players in play. You love to see that. I've already talked about a lot of these matches. Francisco Sarundolo, four sets over Svida, Eubanks over Quan, McDonald over FAA. How about Borna Goyo makes his top 100 live rankings review? Does the tw- uh, 25-year-old former Wake Forest All-American 2018 NCAA singles finalist, he, Risokos, part of that NCAA winning team, up to number 93 in the live rankings. So shout out to Borna Goyo, as I mentioned earlier. Shout out to Rinki Hijikata making his ATP top 100 live rankings debut as well. He gets a first round win in four sets uh, over Pavel Katov, and then Ben Shelton, four-set winner over Kashin. Guys knocked out on the day. Johnson, Tien, who again looked fine. Giron, Nakashima, Quinn, Nuno Borges had a shot, had set points over Ofner in the four-set after coming back from a breakdown, but knocked out in four by Ofner, and then J.J. Wolf knocked out in five. Again, college guys, six and seven overall in the day. College women, three and two. Shout out Lily Miyazaki. Has had a killer season at the ITF level, qualifies for this event, now gets a first-set win over Gaspar Jan. You look at Miyazaki, she is up to a new career high, number 153 in the live rankings. Jen Brady, Danielle Collins, your other winner. Emma Navarro knocked out in three, as I mentioned earlier. Then Meyer Sharif knocked out in three sets by Julin. So again, men with college ties, six and seven. Women with college ties, three and two overall in the live rankings. Last, but certainly not least, let's run you through everything else that happened on the day. Rapid fire edition. Iga, Rabakina, they were untouchable. Dropped a combined four games in two straight set victories. Rabakina didn't even serve particularly well, but just was crushing the return of serve. I thought she moved well in the outer thirds. I thought any lingering doubt you had about her form coming in uh, quickly erased uh, with her result yesterday, that 2-1 and one dominant victory again over a dangerous Kostyuk, who we saw beat a Maria Sakari in the first round of the last major. And then Iga Iga it out. Mukhova comfortable in a foreign love victory. I would not be shocked at all. I think I projected her to make the quarters. I imagine many of us did as well. Kvitova got a little testy in set two, but one in six wins. She's finding her form. Good win for Bencic. Always, you know, again, you feel like if she can win her first two matches, that's when she finds herself in a quarterfinal or a semifinal sort of situation. Two and four over Rakimova. Azarenka dominated. One and two. Lynette straight sets. Kirstea straight sets. Pretty consistent day for the top seeds. Again, really only Sakari was the only shocking upset of the day in the women's draw. Your other straight set winners was Niaki, looked good in a 3-2 and two night match victory. Kalinskaya, Ju Lin, Wang Xinyu, as I mentioned earlier, she has been sneaky solid all season long. And then Daria Gavrilova over Gunaway. Those are the matches I hadn't mentioned already. On the men's side, I got nothing new to add on Novak. He's the favorite, 0-2-3. Was never tested by Alexandra Muller. Tsitsipas, same deal. He was just better at executing the serve plus one game than Milos Raonic was. 
Uh, I mentioned the Americans, Fritz Tiafo, Paul, all winners. Davidovich, Fokina, Sarundalo, we already mentioned. Manorino, four sets over Watanuki. That's a tricky and impressive victory. And then Laszlo Jura, the three sets over Nakashima. Other winners on the day. Safulin, Karatsev, Gaston, Zapata, Moraes. Good win for Dom Stricker. Four sets over Paparin. Benjamin Bonzi, a four-set winner. Birthday brother, shout out Juan Pablo Varias. His first top 50 win on a hard court. Four sets over Kesmenovic. Uh, Jakob Mensik, youngest player in the draw through in four. Uh, as well. That's everything that happened on day number one. Now, again, if you're looking for a preview of day number two, be sure to go check out the Great Shot podcast feed where you'll find previews for each and every day's action. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out, as well, to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point. From all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.